Leadership isn't for the faint of heart. It's dirty, dangerous, difficult, and disruptive. It will test everything about who you are. Unfortunately, as a leader, you're out front, which means you usually only get about 43 feet of good road built for those following behind you while you're running the race yourself. Welcome to the 43 Feet Podcast, where each week you'll hear from some of the greatest leaders we can find both in F3 and beyond. If you're going to lead, you'll need to be ready for the difficult challenges, for what lies ahead in the unknown, for what's lurking in the next 43 feet. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the 43 Feet Podcast, where we are attempting, uh, as always, to carve out a little bit of a path ahead uh, and teach leadership, uh, not only to F3 guys, but uh, but to the world at large. Um, I am going to be honest with you. Uh, there's a lot of things happening in the nation uh, right now. Uh, I mean, F3 nation, a lot of things happening in our, uh, America, you know, our nation here also, but um, but tons of things happening in F3 nation uh, right now. A lot of international expansion, a lot of growth. And one of the things we don't want to have happen, obviously, is we don't want to forget that, hey, yes, it's a workout group, certainly, but also that it is a leadership training ground. Never forget that the reason we're here and the reason we work out in the morning is to train men to be better leaders. That's that's what we're about, men. So in the interest of that, I'm uh, I'm really privileged and honored to bring on um, quite candidly one of the, the baddest ass guys I think I've met. Uh, in a long time. And that's just a fact. Uh, and um, his name is Eric Maddox. And Eric is uh, he's a public speaker. Uh, he's an author. Um, he was also a he's a former special ops soldier. Um, and he you know, it gets a little tricky because I know many of you are not even old enough to remember this. Uh, but he was attached to the Delta Force Special Operations Team in Crete that was part of the, the, the JSOC responsible for tracking down the most wanted men in Iraq. And so if you're too young to remember the name Saddam Hussein, uh, then uh, I guess get on Wikipedia and look that up, <laughs> try and learn you something. Um, but, uh, but the fact is, is that this guy, Eric Maddox, I don't want to say is single-handedly because, you know, there's always a team, right, that, uh, that does everything, but he was primarily responsible. He's the guy who tracked down and led to the capture uh, and ultimate demise of, uh, of Saddam Hussein, was, who was one of the baddest bad guys, uh, certainly at that time, uh, that we had ever even dreamed of. And really, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Eric, but he was he was pretty much the most wanted man in the world at the time. Is that not correct? That's correct, Frank. When it was 2003, when we invaded Iraq. OK. And the Department of Defense, they created that deck of playing cards. Yeah. And that's Saddam right. Hussein was the ace of spades. Man, I mean, he was the guy. And so Eric went in and uh, one of the things that he learned and developed uh, of his time over there in Iraq was a uh, very uh, specific kinds of negotiation, interrogation, uh, and kind of uh, spooky bad guy stuff. Uh, not, not the, as we were talking before we started recording, uh, not so much the kick down doors and shoot them up kind of, uh, kind of uh, hero work that, that we see in the movies a lot, but this was kind of more, um, I guess, more behind the scenes and uh, a little sneakier uh, and a little more badass in some ways. So anyhow, my point is we've got freaking Eric Maddox on the podcast today. Uh, we're very excited about that. So Eric, welcome. Thank you, Frank. Yeah. Um, so tell us, I guess, just kind of give us a little, I mean, I know I kind of threw a lot of, uh, in there about sort of the a real high overview of your background and stuff, but I guess, tell me a little bit about kind of how you got in there and what that, that progression looked like. And then what was it that sort of turned you toward uh, what the work that you do now? 
Sure. So in 2003, I was a staff sergeant in the United States Army, and I was assigned on a Delta Force team in Iraq in Saddam's hometown of Tikrit. Now, Delta Force teams, they're, they're fast moving. They do the raids. They'd never had an interrogator with them. And they wanted an interrogator out with them doing the raids, doing the interrogations because there were no uniforms. So we were fighting this war of insurgents. We couldn't find Saddam, couldn't find anybody who knew where he was. Yeah. And they wanted an interrogator out on the battlefield with him. They picked me because I had had a military infantry background. I first enlisted in the army. I was with the 82nd. I went to graduated ranger school. And then I became an interrogator and they said, Hey, we're taking this interrogator. who has got an infantry background. I so start working with this. Is that, is that unusual then for a, an interrogator wouldn't normally have an, uh, an infantry background. They, they would have come from the civilian world and, and come that way or. No, it's unusual that somebody who started in the infantry would transition to interrogators. So got it. back then in the nineties to become an interrogator, you had to learn a foreign language. The military was going to teach you a foreign language. And it's kind of hard to learn foreign language. And then if you're already in the infantry and then you graduate ranger school, like things are going pretty well in the infantry. Most people wouldn't then jump out and go learn a foreign language and become an interrogator. Especially so not usually Chinese, the bro. army. Right. <laughs> so I was in the infantry. We did a deployment to Panama and I thought it was cool that I could kind of sort of pick up Spanish. And I learned about the foreign language program. They had Chinese Mandarin. I thought that'd probably be pretty hard. So I re-enlisted, became a Chinese Mandarin linguist interrogator. And that coincidentally helped me get picked by this Delta Force team because they said, all right, we have an interrogator. And he used to be in the infantry. Oh, and then graduating ranger school, it's not a real common thing, even in the infantry. So all those allowed me to go be on this Delta Force team. And, and Delta Force, again, just to kind of reiterate, like being a ranger is badass enough. Uh, that, I mean, that on its own is, is, is pretty commendable. But then to turn around and, and be in Delta Force, I mean, that's like the top of the top of the top, is it not? So it is. So there's different levels. Yeah, I mean, I'm not Nobody trying to really sunshine or anything, but I'm just saying like it, it is. It's just the way it is. Delta Force is the top. Being a member of the 75th Ranger Regiment right up there. And then I was a graduate of ranger school i was in the 82nd airborne division so there's just there's just different things that give indications of your abilities and kind of determination it's it's just a gut check right how hard do you want to work and get certain things accomplished but yeah the delta force is at the top yeah and uh i love how you say it like it's ah oh, it's just a gut check like anybody could do it, but, and maybe I guess they could, if they had the guts, but anyhow, the, um, you, you also, uh, so I don't want to spend a ton of time on the, the capture uh, of Saddam, because, although I think that's obviously super interesting and important, but you wrote a book, correct? That is correct. I yeah. wrote the book mission blacklist number one. And, uh, Inside and story of the track for Saddam. I was going to say, so if guys wanted to grab that off Amazon, it's called mission blacklist one, right? Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and they could grab that and read kind of the inside story of how that all unfolded. Um, and, uh, and, and that would be, uh, probably a, a very good read, but, 
so that's why I don't want to dive too deep into all that stuff because it, what I'm most interested in uh, right now for just for the purposes of our podcast is kind of the work you're doing now and and how that transition out of military service kind of turned you over into the civilian world and sort of the things that you're teaching and doing uh, at this point to help uh, companies and people out there. Sure. So when I went with this Delta Force team, I had to create a different way of doing interrogations to get the level of trust needed for people to take you to the most wanted people in the world, right? It's just a different level of cooperation. And I created the empathy-based listening interrogation technique. It directly led to the capture of Saddam. With the capture of Saddam, the government pulled me out of the military, hired me as the first civilian interrogator on this 30-person civilian team. And they said, teach every interrogator this thing, this technique. I ended up doing eight deployments, 2,700 interrogations. And basically spent 15 years focusing, dialing in on this empathy-based listening to gain cooperation. Well, as I'm going through that process, I start getting requests from private businesses to give my story and teach this thing. And over the last nine years, I've, I don't know, probably 200,000 business leaders that I've presented to, to teach them, how do we gain influence? Like, how do we make an impact during verbal communication by being better listeners? And what are we doing wrong, right? And we, we all want to make an impact. That's a goal. That's kind of our life goal is to make a positive impact on the world. And that's what I train is this empathy-based listening. So I guess explain a little about kind of what that is. You don't have to go into great deep detail if you don't want to, but just help us understand. I mean, we all hear we're supposed to have empathy as leaders and, you know, put ourselves in the other guy's shoes or, you know, try and feel what they're feeling or whatever the thing might be. That's not what we're talking about, though. Well, I mean, that's part of it, I guess, but it's not entirely what we're talking about. So maybe give us a little bit of uh, just a little bit of meat on the bone there as far as what is empathy based listening and kind of how do you how do you uh, do that? So. At the core, empathy-based listening says when we communicate, when we have any relationship with someone, we are coming in from our perspective. I used like to use the analogy, we're, we're the lead in our own movie. And, and we're alone on our own stage. Well, I mean, we would be and, played by Brad Pitt in our movie. There you go. But, but I hear be, what you're saying. You'd be, you'd be played by Brad Pitt. Yeah. Yeah, but, but other I than that, it, yeah, we are moving about us. Yeah, got yeah, it. yeah, I got you. <laughs> and, 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 and what our goal is, is to convince people, hey, come over to my stage. Come over to my movie. You've got some problems over here. I mean, just imagine what you guys do as leaders. Um, we say, wouldn't you like to have it better over here? And empathy-based listening says nobody ever wants to leave their stage. And instead of saying, hey, look at this great program we have. We're going to solve your problems. And once you jump into this program, it says, wait, 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 wait. Why don't we take what we're good at, what we're capable, what made our movie good, walk off our stage and onto theirs and serve them. And maybe you're like, oh, that's great. That's, you know what? Let's go ahead and do that. Well, it's a problem. It's tricky because at the core, none of us want to leave our movie 
Yeah. And so when the base listening says, we got to learn that process. It says, when somebody speaks to us, quit trying to think, okay, they've got a problem. Let's get them on my stage. Instead of saying, instead of saying, wait, what do they really need? What does it look like in their movie? What, what does that statement come from, from their movie? And how do I become, and the ultimate goal is to become the world's greatest supporting actor. The, the Gene Hackman of leadership. Right. What didn't he, he was supporting actor all the time. Right. Or he used to. That was his thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, that's super. So you got a couple of things there. Not only is, is my ego or, or my, uh, fear of loss of control, keeping me from walking off my own stage, but then you've got this other guy on the other end or this other gal on the other end, whatever it is, right. Who, who doesn't necessarily want me in their play or in their movie. Fair. Um, I'm going to argue is a question that, that that's not accurate okay and in, in that everybody wants you to come onto their stage they always do if you think that you're going on someone's stage and you're kind of dominating you're not on their stage you've forced them onto yours uh, yes okay there's there yeah. there's if you're on their stage their lead mm-hmm. your support you're not walking on someone's stage and taken over now yeah. you're on your stage yeah don't don't mistake this then for this, this is the emotional stage right this isn't i well i showed up at your house i'm on your stage and now i'm going to come in and, and play my movie in your house no that's we can't do that you're saying we need to go over there and just show up in their house and be like hey man what do you need lawn mode what do you need dishes done like what i'm here i'm here to support you i'm here to to give to you is that kind of what we're so that's a great that's that's a pretty good start there frank but let's even take a deeper look at that right let's say you show yeah. up to somebody's house you say hey you want your lawn mow you want your ditches done basically you're saying wait a second i know what i know what a, a movie looks like over here i'm gonna guess what you need we don't ever guess don't ever assume you know what somebody needs because they're dying to tell you so instead of saying you want your lawn mow you want your dishes done all you have to do is say what do you need and shut up. That's what we can't do. We don't know how to stop right there because the world's dying to tell us what they need. They just want to know, do you really care? Or secretly, are you dragging me on to become support mechanism to make you feel good about your character in your movie? Man, that is powerful. Uh, uh, Leadership lesson number one, kids, uh, shut up. (laughs) <laughs> that's uh that's that's number one so w- when we uh just to, to kind of bring it a little bit to kind of f3 parlance if you will um we use a an acronym uh called vape um and we we sort of say that's sort of the the essential skills and there's a lot of other skills that come come with leadership as well but those are some of sort of the essential skills of leadership first you would have you have some sort of vision some sort of picture in your mind of an advantageous place that you want to help someone get to. And then you would articulate that to someone and say, Hey, th- this is what I see in my mind that that is a better place for us to get to. Right. I'm going to tell you what that is clearly so that you understand it. And then I'm going to pee. I'm going to persuade you to come alongside me. And then at the end, I'm going to, I'm going to exhort you or I'm going to encourage you as we, you know, breach these obstacles that we will inevitably find along the path you know, we're, we're going to get through them together and, I, and, and give that encouragement to, to help get guys through. But that P part 
a man can have a vision, right? And it can be anything that's that's advantageous and, and helps to to move people along their path to wherever. And most guys, I think, are reasonably okay at, at kind of articulating it. And certainly, if you have enough discussion, you can get it out there. But I think we kind of really struggle in that persuasion part. And and that's part of what I I really love about what you're talking about here is this is not um, manipulation. This is not like trying to trick you to get you to do what I want. This is true persuasion. It's something deeper, isn't it? So it's deeper and it's, it's critical, right? Because I love your vape and I want to keep it on those stages, right? Sure. Everybody's on their stage. You're on your stage. When you go to that vision, you're basically saying somebody has a problem in their movie. Things aren't going so great, right? And you give them a vision of a better movie. Hopefully it's even your movie and experiences and people that are in your network. That's fine. That's great. Because when somebody has a need, that is the only time they're actually willingly going to leave their state. I got a problem. Like Things aren't going great. They sure. will come to your stage if you give them a vision. Now, there are different opportunities for different people's stages, but if yours is best choice for them, they'll take it. Now, you articulate in case they're like, well, I've got this movie over here. I've got this option. You go, no, I'm going to communicate that so effectively so you know. Come over to my movie, right? So it's almost like a, a lifeboat, a life preserve because they're in a problem. Here's the difference. Once they come over to your stage and you give them kind of that, wow, that was great. Guess what they want to do? They're going back to their stage. They're going back. And if we don't let them go back to their stage and go with them, with our skill set, the reason they, it's the problem. See, if we all love our movie, we do, we love our movie and we're the lead actor and we're the hero right. and it's fantastic. So when somebody has a problem and comes over to our movie, like, hey, stay here. They're sure. leaving. Isn't it nice over they here? They just want to know. Are you going to go with them? Are you hero status and lead role? Are you taking your skills and going to their movie? Or are you begging? Are you trying to force them to stay in your program, in your movie? That's what persuasion is. You will never be a maximum persuader on your stage. Nobody wants to be there. So yes, get them on your stage, save them, vision, articulate it. But you got to go to their stage. And it's the only place now when we get to your encouragement the only place they're going to listen to you is in their movie sure otherwise you're just yelling at them again because you're you're shouting from your stage right they're not it doesn't matter how yeah. how how and loud it, you it yell, matter. They, they, their their mind is back in their movie yeah yeah so how do i because i because i do love my stage let's say right and i am a big fan and i have this these brilliant ideas about hey i think your life can be different or better or whatever it might be how do i I mean, it seems like I've got to really let go of a lot of ego or a lot of uh, know-it-allness or something to to be willing to truly walk off and be vulnerable to walk into someone else's stage. Is that a fair statement? It's a great statement. And heck yeah, it's a fair statement. But the thing is, you've got to do a self-check and say, why do why are you leading? Are you doing it for your own ego? Because it makes you feel good to share. And just, my gosh, I can't give enough, right? Oh, boy, I'm just this giver. Boy, I got this great thing. Look at how humble and kind and generous oh, I am. It's the humility. It's it's just, <laughs> if, if I could be any more humble, I don't know. What right. do. How yeah. do we make more of me is really what we're looking for <laughs> in the world. Because I'm such a good person, uh, right? Yeah. Are you yeah. feeding that identity? Are you truly seeking to help other people? 
That mm-hmm. I'm telling you, if you can take a good self-check and go, can you put your ego and how awesome this makes you feel aside? Are you really helping people? Or are you just feeding your own ego? That's, that is a, sometimes I think that's probably a tough distinction to make. Um, because you, you, you think, you know, and you, and so you think you want to help and you think you are helping by walking over mentally and saying, Hey man, I'm, I'm coming to your stage. It's going to be okay. When really all you're trying to do is go to their stage long enough to grab hold of them so you can drag them back over to yours. So that, that that's correct. So how do we yeah. do it? Okay. So there's ways to do it. And we have to look at conversations, mm-hmm. right? When we're meeting with anybody and say, Am I solving or am I discovering? Means when I listen to this person, yeah, tell me more. I hear and they're they're going through problems. Do I go, hey, hey, we got this great program? Here's a solution. Am I solving? Because that's on your stage. Or am I discovering deeper for them? That that's that's question number one. Are we discovering for them? Because ultimately, people just want to know, you're trying to get into their movie on their stage. You're trying to see, what does this mean to you? Does it, right. And so when we, even when we make positive solution statements, you know, you need to do this. You always want to end them with statements like, does that make sense? Sure. Okay. Yeah. What else are you worried about? What else? What other? Does that make sense? Yeah, I was just going to ask, what are, your th- so, what are your thoughts? What yeah. sorts of questions should we be asking? You said, what do you need? And then shut up. And obviously, you know, at some point, they may tell us kind of what they need. But then, you know, what are some of those follow on questions? And, and you know, you mentioned it kind of the vast majority, and I don't remember who kind of said it, but the vast majority of us listen to respond rather than to, you know, you know, I just can't wait to get my next thing out of my mouth. So how do I... How do I, A, I guess, turn that off in my own head to some degree, but also what, what sorts of things should I follow up with after that? Okay, great question. So can I ask you this, Frank? Give me, yeah. give me an idea of a statement of, of like kind of a problem statement that maybe one of your potential future members, when somebody's got a problem, what, what sort of things do they come and say, I'm worried about this or I'm struggling? What, what might that sound like? I'll tell you, uh, probably one of the biggest ones that we hear from our men is I just feel like I don't know what my personal purpose is. What, what am I supposed to be doing here on the planet kind of a thing? That's the problem they have. They're looking at, oh, I'm doing all this good stuff and I'm helping people and I'm doing all these things, but, but what's my contribution going to be? Where, you know, where do I get to exhibit my greatness? Does that make sense? Okay. That makes total sense. So let's say somebody makes that statement, right? Does he have Frank, I don't know my, what the heck I'm doing here. I don't know what I'm supposed to, right? Now, I don't know what you say, but let's say the response is something to the effect of, oh my goodness, you have no idea. That literally is the most common problem that our members have. That is what we're all, a matter of fact, we've built this program to kind of tackle that, right? That sounds like a great response to me. That says, get over to this movie. Right. Yeah. What Jump I want you to do, what I want you to do is say, can I ask you this? You don't know exactly what your purpose is. What, what do you wish your purpose? What, where did you, where did, where did you first become concerned with this? Ask them anything, uh-huh. but 
ask them something that allows them to elaborate on what they just said. That yeah. that's the difference because one says, "I know your problem. Come over here. We got a solution." Yeah. I the see this all the time. I can fix this. Wait a second. I don't care if I see this a million times. You're you. I don't mm. know what it means to be in your movie, but I got to figure that out. Do you mind if I ask, can I ask you something? Sure, ask me whatever you want. Right. You know they'll say that. Oh yeah, yeah somebody ever says has that. got enough trust to reveal that they don't know what their purpose is in life. They're dying for you to let them explain further. Man, so you so you you really just have to turn off. And I love the distinction that you made there. Your your solutioning brain to truly your discovering brain. Like you have to say, you know what? I know I have a lot of great answers uh, that work for me and they might even have worked for tons of other guys or whatever. But at the end of the day, Eric's Eric and his exact unique, you know, unique set of circumstances and life, you know, that led him to this point and all these things, it's totally unique to him. And so if I just try and it'd be like the, the eye doctor going, oh, you can't see very well. Okay, well, here, try, try my glasses. They work great for me. Right. That's just not going to that's not going to get it there. Right. Because I mean, it's unique to you. You have some sort of problem that isn't necessarily the same as mine. That, that's exactly right. And even eye doctors can narrow it down to a sort of, hey, this one sure. or this or this one or this. One. When you're talking, that's that's not what this is about. That's an eye doctor that's solving objective. a single problem. Yeah. yeah. What I'm talking about is we want to build a level of trust with the men in your organ in your group in your organization mm -hmm. to where they go i i know you're here for me yeah you're not here to feed your own ego and see how many millions of people we can get into this and make ourselves feel good about ourselves right you are here to serve and help me because once you get on their stage and like i said once you discover Mm -hmm. And you get on someone's stage, this amazing thing happens. They go, it's been lonely on my stage. <laughs> no one's <laughs> wanted to be here. Now that you're here, you're not going anywhere. As a matter of fact, I need you to help me with life and, and, and accounting. And, and who do you have as a good wealth manager? And by the way, who do you have as a plumber? Right now, you've created influence. Because you're the only person on their stage. Because everyone else is trying to drag them onto their movie. And when you become an organization that walks on men's stage, you have maximum influence, which I'm like, that's what you guys have been trying to do anyway. So why are you dragging people on your stage when what you're trying to do is achieve maximum positive influence? It only exists on their stage. Yeah, it's a, it's not a total 180, but, but you're right. I mean, because we do, we, we very much prescribe in a lot of ways and say, Hey, you know, why, why don't you come to work out with me? See if that doesn't help you. You know, hey, why, uh, why don't you why don't you study some of this stuff? See if that doesn't help you. And what we're finding too, and I almost hate to admit it, you know, in front of everybody, right? Is <laughs> what we're finding that gets us to a point, and then it's kind of well, what what's next? How do how do we get you to that next thing? And because it's we've run out of things to recommend. But Frank, what you what it gets you to a point, right? You're the life raft. You're, you're the life preserver. And that's yeah. that's because they're, they're, they're drowning in their current right. movie. You get them on your life, right? That's awesome. There's nothing wrong with stayed. it. Yeah. No. It's just the problem is once they catch their breath, look mm -hmm. around, they're like, cool. 
I'm going back to my movie, which is great. We want them on their stage. We just got to go with them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess the way that we might look at it, because, you know, we talk a lot about uh, writing your boat, you know, if you're in a, in a, in a, you know, a small sailboat or something like that, and it's tipped over, you're not going to get very far, uh, but what the current will take you. Right. And so you've got to get yourself back to upright so that you can accelerate and and steer and do all those things that you want to do. And so if, if my boat is upright and yours is tipped and I come and I go, Oh, Hey, hop in here. Let's get you, let's get you dried off. Let's get you some food. Let's get you a little, whatever. We're going to tow your boat. We're going to stick, you know, get your boat upright for you. Then we're going to shove you back in your boat. Right. And instead of just saying, okay, well, you're back in your boat now. Best of luck. Right. You're saying maybe, maybe, uh, jump in their boat with them for a little while and, and be the, the, the second sailor, uh, until they're at such a point that maybe teach some skills or whatever it might be. When, I guess the question is, when do you leave their stage again, or do you ever really leave it? Are you just kind of always there forever now? So the question is, do you want to have influence on their life? If you want to keep influence on their life, you will stay on their stage. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If they're all set and you're done and you, you, you want them to send them off and you've created that empowerment and they have, and they're ready to go. They don't want you to leave. But if you're done and you can leave, great. But it's not a time issue you don't have to you can't it's not like you have to just be on a certain number of people's movies you can be on as many as you want they're not dying for all your time they're just dying for whatever time you can give them are you making it about them or are you still making it about yourself it can be eight minutes a week sure but or, or less better do, do, do you want to have influence on their lives yeah well, yeah. the answer is yes. Sure. Oh, yeah. I, I even, I've, been, I've been got a little equation, right? Oh, good, good. So, yeah, well, I was told there'd be no math. But. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I call it the happiness equation. And, and it's only simply because I don't want to call it joy, right? Fair. The joy for me comes to a higher level. Yeah. The happiness is we all want to make an impact, right? So I use the H. Okay. Equals. And then in parentheses, your value proposition, okay, meaning when your happiness is going to have to do with the amount of influence and persuasion that you have on everybody else in the world, right? So, but each individual has its own equation. And, and so your happiness is based on the value proposition that that person believes you can bring to the table. What, what good do you have? Plus the R respect you have for that person. Basically, it says, are you worth anything? Now, yeah. we should say all yeah. people have value, but, you know, some people have more value in our minds. Sure. And then we close parentheses to the T, and that is trust, which means how much of the stage are you working on of theirs all over F, which is fear. So our ability to make an impact on this world, which is what our goal is, right, is based on each individual or how they see us. That's our value proposition in their eyes, how we see them, the amount of respect that we have towards them. And then the amount of influence, which is T, which means Trust. how much of our, our, our stage do we walk onto theirs? All that over our own personal, all that's divided by our own personal 
beat. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. You said fear, and I was going to say, wh whose fear is that underneath there? You're Our saying it's fear. ours. Help me with that. When you look at what makes us not great listeners and go to solution and come on, you got to do this. Why are we so urgent? Why are we saying, no, 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 I need you to come on. This got to, it's because we're afraid, right? We're, we're afraid. We're afraid, afraid they're not going to listen to us. We're afraid we're not okay. going to matter. We're afraid we're, we're off and they're going to go a different direction. So our fear, fear, actually prevents us from having this happiness of having a positive impact on another person's life because we can respect them they may respect us but if we're still urgent and fearful we are going to lower our t we're going to lower our ability to actually serve them because we're scared and we're dragging people to our movie because that's what fear does we, we want we want them back on our side because that's where we know we have control that's where we know we can kind of manage everything and and, and it's all clean and, and pretty and whatever and and we're not in that vulnerable state where it's like i'm over on your stage and, and honestly i don't know where this goes from here i don't know where this is going to end up yeah we don't know where it goes we don't know where it ends up but we know this nobody wants to go to our stage where we're safe they're dying for us to come to their state. The easiest right. they want to be safe. They want to be safe. So go make them safe. And you become the power. You gain the influence. Interesting. You get the H factor, which is the happiness. That is what everybody wants. You know what the world wants? Tell me. It's, it's crazy because it's a contradiction. It's a problem. We want control and freedom. So we want freedom. Uh -huh. Nobody controls me. Right. I want to control other I people. Control. <laughs> right. And right. we say, well, you right. know, I do control by positive. I call that influencing. And it's not manipulation and persuasion. Those are bad things. Man, whatever. Everybody wants people on their stage. But we don't want to be on anybody else's stage. So the problem is everybody's fighting this conflict. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. You want influence, right? Yes. Go to their stage. But I want to no, be the world's greatest supporting actor. And you'll get all the influence you want. Man, that is, and it is, it's totally counterintuitive, right? We would think that in order for us to be happy, we would be able to control every little thing and have, have uh, direct, very direct influence over every little thing. And that way we stay safe. We, and I'm not using influence the exact same way that, that you were just, just saying it, but, but that, but by being on my stage, I get to control it. I get to, and I think that would make me happy because then I know how everything's going to happen, but really it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't do it. And it won't, or if it does it, it's very fleeting. It's like, uh, uh, it's like eating a Twinkie, right? I mean, it tastes pretty good, but it, it may or may not have any long-term value to us, right? And, and, and we say, but we know why the Twinkie doesn't have long-term value. It's highly processed sugar. We understand why controlling people doesn't have value because nobody wants to be on the, off their stage. We're just under this misconception that when somebody has a problem and they want to come on our life raft, that's where they want to stay. That's not where they want to stay. Yeah, no, they. That's where they want to be just for a minute, and then they're going away. And they like you because you saved them. Right. And they just want to know: Would you come over here? Because if you come, I'm lonely in my movie. Yeah. And and it is. It's counterintuitive because we we tend. I guess the world kind of teaches us that what you want is you want to stand on your stage and draw 
people to you and have them there so that you can tell them all the things that are important. And then you, you know, you have this great influence and power and impact on their lives and whatever, but then it becomes all about you and all about you. And, and then you're limited, right? I mean, you can only go as far as, you know, stuff. And that for me, not very far. So you- not, it's not very far. And you're exactly right. And the problem, Frank, is, you know, who comes to your movie? Just needy people. Oh. Which is great. But we don't want needy people. We want to grow, man. We want to yeah. be, we want, we want to give uh, wow. and grow, especially when people get empowered and they get off their stage. And, yeah. and, and, and they, I mean, they want, they, they've, they've survived the, the, the tsunami and they're back on their world and they're empowered. That's, we can still influence them. Yeah. Right. Otherwise, great. You're just a great humanitarian, which is awesome. Yeah. But that's not real. That's not real influence. That's not impact in the way that, that we want. That, that's uh, giving men fish instead of teaching them to fish, right? That's exactly right. That's, you're yeah. saving them temporarily. Yeah. But you're not, you're not providing them anything, anything long-term that's going to carry over. It's interesting you said about uh, the only people who want to come to my movie and stay in my movie are the needy people. Um, and so I, I, I'm just going to say, because I, I think this sounds like what you're saying to some degree, right? Is So if I find myself surrounded <laughs> with, uh, with a lot of needy people, chances are good i'm i'm making this kind of a cult of personality kind of a thing and and or i've got a bunch of people around me who are terrified to get back on their own stage because they don't like it over there they're scared of what happens over there they don't want to be in control anymore and that's that is very damaging to both you and them uh in the long term yes it's very damaging, right? Because if somebody comes to your movie because they're needy and once they get back on their feet, if they don't want to leave your stage, now they become kind of a leech to you. Now they're now they're absorbing your resources because honestly, you we love being the savior. But once they're saved, we, if they're going to stay on our mo- movie, we're like, hey, man, you need to carry your own weight. Yeah, yeah. Right? Grab, so grab a, a paddle, place. man. Like this isn't, you know. Yeah, grab a paddle. Like, here for. Oh man, I love being over in your movie, Frank. And it just right. feels good here. And I'm you mind if I put me on salary and, and hey, <laughs> I need some and can you help me with this? And it's great that, that if that's yeah. what you like to do. Yeah. But it's not real influence. No. I mean, real influence is when you can get people back on their feet. Now they're on their movie and they're saying, hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to go kick butt. I'm going to go do some stuff. But by the way, Frank, you, you want to come over here with me in my movie making a difference, right? So yes, we want to have the life raft, get everybody off the life raft, get yeah. back on their stage and let's go with them. Because as soon as we go back over there with them and we're to your point, that's what the persuasion really is about. So we have a vision and articulation. We pull them over then we persuade them to, to act on, on a vision. Sure. But to, to get back on their own stage and then really our job, then I guess the E the encouragement is now that you're here on your stage, brother, let go, go make other stage walkers. That's not the word I'm looking for, but, but to, to encourage men then to say, Hey, now, now you go have impact. Now you're going to go have influence. Now that you know how this works and now that you know what that looks like in terms of, of uh, you know, getting yourself dusted off and back on your feet and, and getting onto someone else's stage to encourage them to, to live their best life and be their supporting actor. You couldn't do that if you were needy and you were sitting on someone else's stage. You've got to be on your stage so that you can then go. You can't leapfrog from my stage to somebody else's. You have to go right. via your own, right? 
Frank, it, it, it just put it like you so you're tracking, right? But let's make sure we're clear why that matters. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you go to someone else's stage, that literally is 10 times more encouragement than anything else you can give someone in your movie on your stage. Listen, don't forget, we're all alone on our own stages. We're all, we're all the lead in our own movies. Nobody ever goes to anybody else's stage unless they're in a place of need. When we go to someone else's movie on their stage in absence of need, there is no greater encouragement. Now, when they take that encouragement, they know you're there with them, even if it's eight minutes a week. You are going to empower them to the point to where they're going to take off because they know you, you were there without need. You went there willing. It gives them such a feeling of worth that somebody actually wants to be in their movie who's not coming for a handout. Yeah, yeah. There's no greater encouragement. Man. Well, Eric, uh, I hate to say it. I could do this all day, but uh, we're, we're kind of bumping up <laughs> against the end of our time, man. Um, so I guess the the a couple things. One is, good golly, uh, I'm going to, uh, say you should change the um the title of your like your your tagline or something to like uh, uh encouragement badass or something i don't know <laughs> uh, you know i don't know it's something right it's uh it, what you just said i think is is some of the most powerful teachings i think that we could take with us uh in terms of our leadership and in terms of how we because that's what leadership is right is influence influencing others for their advantage uh, and that's one of the most powerful things to think about as you do that. Um, uh, so a couple of last quick questions it, in the book, uh, does it, it goes over kind of how you did this in the middle East and, and some of the steps that you took to, to build that trust with others, to help lead you to, to, to Saddam, correct? It is, it's a war story. It's with I'm with this Delta Fit Force team for five and a half months, and it's the crazy 300 interrogations, one after the next, exactly to the last seconds of the last prisoner who took us to Saddam. Which so, is crazy. Yeah, that was nuts. So it's it's outlined there, and so guys can read that and get some sense of that. Now, if they wanted to, if they said, "Man, Eric's got it nailed. I love everything about what he's saying. Uh, we need him to come and uh, and teach this to our people." How do they get a hold of you? Just reach out to me, Eric at ericmaddox.com. Yeah, you know, you it bring, is always- If you want to bring empathy-based listening into your workplace, into your organization, obviously I'm passionate about it. You think? And, <laughs> and you just tell me how much do we want to make this part of your culture? Yeah, yeah, because it's it's obvious and it fits everything that that really that we try and teach. And I think it kind of takes it to a, it gives it a slightly different way of looking at it to give it a, a sharper edge, uh, I think. And uh, so, man, I, I can't thank you enough for, for coming on today and, uh, and being with us. And, and um, you know, uh, I guess the last question is you live, uh, remind me now, you live in, um, in where? I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Oh, Tulsa. That's right. That's right. That's right. I remember now because I, I remember we talked about that and it was like, there's not an F3 near Tulsa. Um, but I was going to say, you know, uh, when one gets to Tulsa, we're probably going to call you and we're going to tell you you should come work out with us so that we can figure out how to get on your stage with you. You guys give me a call. Ah, uh, there it is. <laughs> no, dude, give yeah, me a no, call. I Listen, I, I know you guys are spreading. Tulsa is yeah. one of those towns where, you know, it's probably 30 or 40 cities in. Right. We actually get to Tulsa. Right. We're not that big. Yeah. 
but I'm here. No, I know it. And that's one of the things I think is kind of cool about Eric, but also about guys who have nothing left to prove is you can call Eric Maddox. He doesn't care. He'll, he'll take your email. What do he didn't care? Like he's just here. He's on mission, man. He has stuff to get done. Um, and so I, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to be with us and, uh, and to teach us a little bit about uh, persuasion, about empathy based listening. Um, and, uh, and then kind of generally, man, uh, we love to see leaders out there doing what we're trying to do, you know, and, uh, we just feel really good about the, the state of the, the state of the future of, of men and leadership in the country with, uh, with guys like you out there, man. So thank you so much. I love what you guys are doing. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm honored you have me on your show. Thanks for listening to the 43 Feet Podcast. If you like what you heard on the show, or if it's helped you in some way, we'd ask you to rate us, write a review, and share us with your friends and networks. It really does help others to find us. If you have questions, comments, or concerns, write us at questions at 43feetpodcast.com or tweet us at 43feetpodcast. The climb we're on to create virtuous leaders isn't going to be easy, but we'll get there 43 feet at a time.